That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Thanks for joining us for Take Two. This is week four and we're still, a, what a, it's not on the air. What are we? A podcast exists somewhere. But thank you for being with us. We've got a lot of tough topics we want to get through today. Hate crimes. We want to talk about Sandy and their water crisis. Who's really responsible for this? Can we buy drugs from Canada? They're cheaper. We've got our drug expert here. Uh, you're always going to be our drug expert, Jim, since you do marijuana. <laughs> Uh, one time in my life, time. I've done marijuana. I mean, I'm a drug expert. I expert. know. We're going to put Greg on the line talking about the governor's tax cut, if it's really realistic. Uh, we want to talk about open records laws at BYU. So a lot to get through. But I think really the topic this week that most people are talking about, hate crimes legislation. And there's a lot going on in Utah right now that makes that important. And also nationally. We've got the Jesse Smollett case. He has just been found... Uh, that he made up his entire case, that nobody really attacked him. There were no Make America Great Again hats or people trying to hurt him. And I think that hurts people who come forward, like a case here in Utah where charges were filed today, where there is a crime. So let's talk about hate crimes. Do we need a hate crime bill? or all crimes hate in general, and we don't need to classify what kind of hate it is? So let me start this off. I think that this, uh, this Jesse Smollett, the, the actor that is on the show Empire, he came up with a very terrible story that these people in Make America Great Hats Again uh, attacked him based on his race and his sexual preference. Um, and it, it made headlines. And it was, and you saw in the national news, this is America in 2019. And it comes to, when the truth comes out, uh, this was fabricated, this was made up. Why would an actor with national prominence make up such a horrific uh, act? And why would he target supporters of President Donald Trump. I'll tell you why. Because I think we live in an era right now where uh, the hatred towards this president, uh, the opportunity to weaponize a serious topic, and one that I take seriously of hate crimes, uh, isn't happening, and this isn't its first case. I have here, on, I looked this up a little bit. We have case after case since 16, where uh, the, the police threat to burn down the student uh, wearing a, this garb did not happen. You have. Uh, gay man says Trump fueled election night hate attack left him bloody. This was proved to not be the case. I, I can go on and on here of these things that have happened. Even the young high school kids that were wearing the Make America Great hats again that the Washington Post, which is now facing a $260 million lawsuit because of the way they reported it, you had adults that were screaming at these young men and, and these minors. And I will tell you, absent the hat they were wearing, there isn't anybody who would have seen these adults, who, by the way, this wasn't your St. Bonaventure bingo group out to see the national, you know, the Lincoln When you uh, watched monument. the full tape, it was definitely this different. Isn't, this is not, uh, you know, this wasn't some nice group of adults that were there. These were people that were there to protest, to cause a ruckus, to create attention. And they saw these, these students, these high school students in these hats, and they went after them. When you watch that full video, and then you compare it to the reporting of what happened in that incident, it is completely false. And what you have, and I think why this actor thought he could get away with something like this, is because, like in the Kavanaugh hearing, when somebody accused this nominee of terrible things, it, if you even questioned 
whether that person was telling the truth or not, you became, uh, you became the, per the, the bad guy. And I think that in a climate, if we get to the point and we don't treat life like a two-way street uh, and expect these constitutional protections of innocent until proven guilty, if we take these, these stories or allegations of attack and when it's a hate crime or if it's against a, a, a gender or something and we take that and if you even questioned it, you're in trouble, we're going to get more of it. But it's, again, it to me serves to undermine the underlying and real tragedy of people that are targeted because of race, color, uh, lifestyle, whatever that may be. We don't want to see that happen as a society, but if you keep getting examples of this, where if you're right of center, you're assumed to be the bad guy. If you're left of center, you're assumed to be the victim. If that's the narrative that keeps going, I think, I think it does the issue of hate crimes a disservice. We may have to get back to you on that. So there have been a lot of cases that Greg just brought up where people have cried wolf, they've weaponized things that shouldn't be weaponized. Here in Utah, at the same time, we've had a gay flag ripping, ripped down off of a business. We've had a young man who obviously we've seen the video this week where someone was attacking him, charges filed today. There's been multiple things happening. Is there a problem with getting a hate crimes bill where it makes it so there are more people crying wolf and the people who really do need help are not getting it? Or is there a good reason right now to step forward and make sure there is a hate crimes law in Utah? Look, the actor apparently thought this was going to help his contract negotiations. 20,000 wasn't enough for his episodes, well, apparently. I, I, nobody is going to justify breaking the law for their own endearment or the endearment of their political party. But look, hate crimes matter. They make a huge difference. If somebody burns a cross or burns something on somebody's lawn, it's vandalism. But if they burn a cross on an African-American, it means something different and it hurts a lot more people. If you paint a swastika on my garage door, it means one thing. If it's a member of the Jewish community, it means something different. Let me tell you, go back to LDS history, to the Hans Mill Massacre. And look what happened. They, they, that mob was guilty of murder and rape and arson and all of those things. But it was more than that. They weren't interested particularly in those victims. They were interested in sending a message that was broader than the people that were affected. They wanted to send a message to every single Mormon and terrorize them and get them out of Illinois. That's what we're talking about. Yes, there is the underlying crime, but when it is the intent of that person, when it's proven, and when it goes through the jury system, it is more than the underlying crime. Yeah. I just want to say one other final thing on this. Going back to Hans Mill, Sardis Smith was a 10-year-old who the mobster went and put a musket to his head and killed a young boy. And he said, and this came from one of the other victims that was pretending to be dead, he said, when somebody else said that was just a little boy, nits will make lice. And if that boy lived, he would have become a Mormon. That's what I'm saying. Hate crimes for people that don't suffer them and don't understand kind of and aren't in the middle of the community. When these hate crimes come, they ripple through and they have a terrible feeling and they are more serious 
than the underlying crime, and we as a society ought to recognize that. Okay, so the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has a lot of pull at the legislature. This time they're saying that they won't stand in the way of this bill. They haven't said, let's go for it, let's not, but I'm assuming that that will give the okay to a lot of legislators whom that is their faith to maybe go for this bill. Is it going to pass? It passed through the uh, Senate committee unanimously. I think uh, if, if Senator Milner gets on board, I can't understand where she's coming from, but she's always been for it and a former president of Weber State. She's supposedly heading the opposition, but I, I think it's got a real good shot. I, I, look, there's nothing that Jim just explained that I would disagree with fundamentally, but here's the problem. We're in a climate now where if you become a protected class, any allegation you make there's an assumption that it is true, and e we're getting even into a climate where if you were to question or want to investigate that to see if it was true, there's a, a moral failing on those that would not accept the accusation on its face. That's what we have what to caution to and be actor? worried about. We, but the actor got you, caught. All of these cases I, didn't. But the, we have a long list of those that have been caught, and yet you see it continue because I think there's this, there's this attitude now that if you do question or if you do try to say wait a minute we got to make sure and validate it that itself that even that act of questioning it can start to look like you're not sensitive to the issue it we've got to be very nervous, careful yeah. very careful how those things are covered how those things are adjudicated if they are done fair if the presumption of innocence still matters in this country as it should I think that what you're talking about is right, but we're seeing signs, little tells in our society where if someone makes an accusation and you question it, show me you're the one person that's in jail who got through this whole system. The system I'm catches telling you up. that when 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 uh, Justice Kavanaugh went through his confirmation hearing and did he get confirmed? <laughs> because it, it offended a lot of people. The kind of there was I believe her. There, the, the, I the, still the narrative believe her. Was, the narrative was if someone merely makes the accusation that if you were to question it or, or even ask, you know, prying questions, you're being insensitive to that person or that accusation. I'm saying that if we get into that world, then it is a guilty till proven innocent uh, scenario, and we've got to be very sensitive we don't do that. It will undermine the un what you're talking about in protecting people. It will undermine the ability to do so if we start veering into that guilty till proven innocent. You both do have good points. And I sh will say really quickly before we move on, I was on social media this weekend and as the whole Jesse Smollett thing was unraveling, I saw the video from Salt Lake City where we now have charges where that man was charged for harassing a gay member of our community. I didn't know if I should retweet it or say anything about it because we saw what happened the week before when people were retweeting and saying this can't be part of our community. So it can cause problems. I do hope that we can find a way forward where we don't even have charge people with crimes, hate, or otherwise. Yeah, All right, well, right? That would be nice. So do I. That isn't going to happen. <laughs> All, right. All right, this one's like super quick. Uh, there is a bill in the legislature right now that would ban straight ticket voting. Is there a good reason to do that? Or if you just want to pop your Republicans or Democrats and be gone in 10 seconds of voting, is it okay? Look, first of all, I'm against straight party ticking because I'm gay and I don't think it ought to have anything to do with it. <laughs> what does that have to do yeah, with it? It's straight because it has party, the word straight, straight in it, party, Heidi. It's right. a straight oh. deal. Uh, He's right. not, not going to go there. <laughs> look, uh, make people actually go down the list and look at candidates and races. I think it does a disservice to to say, okay, I'm going to vote for this whole this party. And I'll tell you, in Salt Lake County, more Democrats straight party ticket than Republicans. I don't true. like that. I'm, I don't. I think He's we ought to being, force Jim's people. Jim's being bossy. He just wants to tell everyone they have to look at it. If somebody, you have a group of people that get in there, and they think if the if the party platform is one they identify with, they'll vote for those 
those candidates, who's Jim to tell them they're not allowed? You have a significant amount of voters that like to do it. It works against Republicans in Salt Lake County. I'm just saying, if it's something everyone's, it's always been there and there's people that take advantage of it, why should Jim and others say, now, you have to be better than that. You're going to have to go one by one by one because I say so. I just right. think it's bossy. God bless America. Just yeah. show up to vote, people, and that will make all of us happy. Canadian drugs here in Utah, they're a lot cheaper. The legislature's talking about bringing it in. Even if it gets passed, we would have to get federal approval. Is this something we need? I'm looking at someone like my dad, who until last month was paying $1,600 a month for insulin just to stay alive because he has no other choice. Shouldn't we open the opportunity for him to pay $100, $200? Thanks to no. Warren Hatch. How could this happen in the business Republican side of things? The United States government, the biggest buyer of drugs in the world, cannot negotiate with the drug companies. How can that be possible? That happened because the drug big pharma has put that in. They can't sit down and negotiate. They have to take whatever price the drug companies come with. It's ludicrous, it's crazy. So the consequence of that is you can go over the border into Canada or Mexico and you can buy the exact same drugs made in the same factories and pay 25, 30, 40% yeah. lower. So the question is, should the state of Utah should we allow people to buy their drugs there by mail order and and use them here at a lower price? Of course we should. This should not even be a discussion. Okay, so Jim says cool with mail order brides, mail order drugs. Is it okay? So I'm expecting like a unicorn to walk through this studio because I must be dreaming, okay? Because I agree with Jim. And I wow. don't even know if I'm comfortable with my skin doing that. But Glitter, rainbows, I'm gonna tell unicorns. You, here's, here's the issue. There is a cure for hepatitis. Hepatitis uh, C, there is a cure, which I wasn't aware of until just two weeks ago. It's $40,000 for that medicine here in the United States. It's, That's insane. It's hundreds of dollars, not 40,000 in Canada. Now, when you look at how that is, is spreading and how contagious it could be and all of that, and you wanna help people, especially within a certain demographic where if you have people suffering from drug addiction and you're having the sharing of needles and, you, for, for just the health and safety of our community, at $40,000 a patient, you can't get there. But if it's the price it is in Canada, we could start seeing that help for those that have contracted this disease. We could help them right away. So I do support it. And I, I have a problem with that, the price being so disparate between Canada and the United States. And something has failed. You want to go to see the problem? Big Pharma has too much money maybe and too we much control over our government because they've got their hands in the pockets. Maybe of we could agree. Of everybody, you look at the Democratic senators and House members, and you look at the Republicans. Big Pharma, Big Pharma, Big Pharma. If there's one thing they all agree on, it's oh yeah, we got to protect Big Pharma. Give me a break. Yeah. Somebody ought to be speaking out for normal Utahns. Yeah. and not filling their pockets with with all the money healthcare is expensive enough being having access to medication has to be reasonable or any way we see that it could be reasonable i think we have an obligation to pursue it yeah. all right we got it all huh? right high five big four that's it going check it downhill. we're done we checked that box no more <laughs> yeah. no more a long time ago all right uh let's go on to our next topic uh, this one's a serious one in utah BYU is a private university, therefore has a private police force. They've had some rape cases and accusations from recently in the last couple of years, even dating back 20, 30 years from an MTC president and a young woman who claimed to be raped by him, where all of that information has been protected. The Salt Lake Tribune, KUTV, there have been lawsuits filed. It's now at the Utah 
Mississippi court where we're trying to be able to get that information from actual police cases to bring them to light where they probably in my mind should be. The legislature is trying to help that along maybe go above and beyond where the court was and maybe make a ruling first. Should the legislature say let's change the definition of what a police force is and all of you including private universities like BYU have to open their files. Do you think that should happen? I think you can't have it both ways. I mean, if you if you go to a if you go to Las Vegas, you have a very uh, it almost feels like a police department. They'll have a security uh, presence at a at a hotel, in a casino, at yeah. a casino. Uh, but they're not they're not post certified law enforcement officers. You'd have to call in the Las Vegas PD. If BYU wants to maintain uh, its private status and its law enforcement or its security to be not subject to the grandma laws and things that public institutions mm -hmm. are, then they need to be private. But it's a quasi uh, situation scenario as I understand it, and I don't think you can have it both ways. I think they have as an, a private institution a way that they want to protect students and their their property any way they'd like. But if they're using post-certified law enforcement officers, or that's what BYU's police is seen as, then it should have to comply with the uh, with the public laws pertaining to so those So if they're agencies. not calling in outside help, they're being the police force themselves? Yeah, I mean, if they, again, again if they are post-certified and considered on that on that echelon of, of being law enforcement like Provo Police, then they should have to comply with the same laws. I'm nervous. We, what if we agree twice? I know, don't. I, that's why I had to get it out early. So if you agree, How am I going to defend BYU's private Thank police? You. Look, this is a this is a very interesting story out of Utah County. A BYU student was said she was raped. A Utah County police officer yeah. um, got information on the case and then reported that there may have been alcohol involved, to and the it honors. was reported yeah. to the honors code at BYU. Well, the honors code went after the the alcohol violation. And the question came out as the, the girl was being investigated, look, we want, in Grandma, the Tribune in particular, we want all the facts, just like any other police force that gets all of their power from the state, they have to release this information. BYU said, no, we're, we're, we're a closed institution. But their police force isn't. Their police force has the same uh, authority that other police forces have. So, as Greg said, Look, either you're a police force and you're subject to all the state rules and regulations or you're a little private security firm yeah. and you don't get all of that stuff. You can't, you can't say, yes, we want all of the authority, but we're not going to take that responsibility. This ought to be a slam dunk. And I'm surprised the, the senator from Provo is the one, uh, Senator Bramble is the one who, who introduced it. I would hope the students down there, the parents, would want that same accountability. I can't imagine sending my daughter, my son there, and not being able to see the case files and what goes on. There if goes they were Bramble's football tickets. I know. They're gone. <laughs> He's yeah. in trouble. Yeah. tickets are gone. <laughs> we'll sit where I sit, probably. All right, Jim, here's another fun one. I am getting a little nervous with you two agreeing so much, but I'm guessing I maybe know. we might get off that footing this here. This is what the media's done to me. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a sellout now. I just been at this week four, and I'm week agreeing. Four. Everywhere. And all of a sudden, you guys are best friends and having sleepovers. Pillow uh. <laughs> fights later. All right, right now, let's talk about the governor's tax cut. He has a very significant tax cut. Was it down to 1.75 he was trying to sell at the State the of the Union? The sales tax. Which may be one of those big unicorn dreams themselves. Is this realistic? Is it going to happen? And have you seen movement towards that during this legislative session? So I'll be quick, because Greg, Greg knows all these numbers <laughs> a lot better. Look, here's the problem with any tax cut. Utah is still 50th in spending. 
Jim wants all your so money. So what I'm saying is we don't have this giant surplus. We've stolen it from our children for a generation we've been 50th. So if there is a little extra money, it is just putting that money where it should be right now in our schools and making sure our kids have the education they need to compete uh, for the kind of jobs we're going to need to keep Utah as an economy going for generations. So stop thinking, oh, there's all this extra money. There, it's not there. But the governor wants to cut taxes. The legislature wants to. I'm sure it's going to happen. Okay, so Greg, is it going to happen? Because that was a very big goal. I, I think we have to call it a goal because I don't know how realistic it is. Or yeah. is it? So here it is. It's not so much spending this, using the surplus to cut taxes. Much of our household income today in 2019 is for we spend on services, services that there isn't a sales tax to. If we went back 20 years, uh, our tax system really found whether what, you, what you're buying or what you're spending your money on, there was, a, there was a, an inherent tax to that. And today, today, a lot of these things are services and so they're not taxed. And what's happening is sales tax, as the state collects, continues to shrink, and, uh, but the population grows and so it's an imbalance. So they're saying if, if the state pays 7% on your sales tax, and let's say 4% of that is, a state, is, is the state uh, sales tax, yeah. we're going to start taxing services that haven't been taxed before. So if we broaden the base of those paying sales tax to things that you would spend money on services, we can actually lower the sales tax on the things that you've been buying up until now. So if I buy a car, my sales tax could go lower. If I, if I spend it on, you know, whatever it is that you'd, you'd, you'd buy. But RC if you bought a whatever, house, you might get sales tax on it. But that's it. So real estate isn't, there's no sales tax on real estate. There's no tax, sales tax on healthcare. Think about how much people are spending out of pocket on healthcare. There's not uh, sales tax on professional services like attorneys or accountants. Um, when you start going down, I mean, yeah, you don't pay sales tax on Uber, you don't pay it on landscaping, you don't pay it at the hairdresser, but if you tax those things, you're not going to see a lot of revenue to the state. You have to tax the big ticket items to be able to lower the rate on everything else. It's just because you have to collect more money. They have very strong, they have a very strong the presence. The lobbyists? The realtors, the attorneys, the accountants, they have very strong, a very strong presence on Capitol Hill. If they are successful in exempting themselves out of that bill, you will collect very little to be work. able to offset that, that sales tax, which means you won't be cutting anyone's taxes. And I say, if you're not going to broaden, the, lower the rate by broadening the base, if you're not going to do it in an in a intellectually yeah. honest way, don't bother. And it's a, it's, a, it's a huge political fight up there. And I don't know that the public at large uh, is seeing it that way because it's not a tax yet. Well, the people that are saying is I'd have to do quarterly filings for sales tax if I'm an attorney now or if I'm a, if I'm a doctor or if I'm uh, an accountant. Those are things that those brand new taxes introduced to those industries are, are receiving a huge pushback right now. And so the legislature, we'll see. I'd like to see the governor spend a little more political capital. If this is what he wants to do, I think that he has a stronger bully, bully pulpit than the legislature does. He needs to go to the mat on this and take that 70, 80% approval rating and spend every dime of it to get it done. But I don't think I'm seeing that. So I think it's a tough fight. Yeah, it's a 45 day session. We're more than halfway through it already. I don't know that we're going to get it solved in the next two weeks. I don't know. The most likely scenario, Greg, is exactly what you say. Blah, 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 blah. And then they will exempt a whole bunch of all the big guys and a lot of the little professionals and a lot of the little people are going to see their tax, things that weren't taxed up to now, 
taxed to the max, and it's, it'll just be an unfair, unfathomable mess with no rhyme nor reason about who's getting sales tax and who isn't. Just take the money and invest it in our young people. That's what we ought to be doing. Yep. Who, would you rather have a few bucks back in sales tax or would you rather actually make the commitment so we're not just dead last in perpetuity? I think it's a simple decision. I'm glad that you got perpetuity, and that's a big word. Yeah. Nailed it. Don't have to spell okay, it. Okay, uh, before we go, I want to talk about Sandy City because it was a week ago Friday that we got a tweet, not an email, not a call, not a press release from the Depart Department of Environmental Quality saying, give us a call that there was a water crisis starting to happen in Sandy. It was 5.30 on a Friday. We know the government doesn't work after 5.30 on a Friday. And in the next week, we've seen some really angry people in Sandy because there were problems with their water with fluoride. A lot of people didn't realize this, but fluoride in large amounts can make you very, very sick. When they tried to flush the water out, they got lead and copper, which is something that you can't get out of your body. It can cause permanent defects and health crisis. Did they do something wrong? Who's supposed to be in charge of it at this point? Uh, the Sandy City Mayor has been stepping around things. Does he take the bullet on this one? Should the water guy have stepped down as he did? Did he really step down? Who has something to say on this? I, I, I don't know much about it, but I'll say this, that the days where government officials could sit on information and try to rectify it are gone because the tweet's coming out, and if you're the mayor or you're the governor and you think you can hold on to that information and have it turn out, it, 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 it's wrong. So as soon as that mayor got that information, he should have been the one tweeting it out. And it should have been the week before, I would say. Yeah, as soon as he got it. Yeah, and the government, I would say, their first job and responsibility is to make sure its people are safe. But what and about the, water what about the argument? What if you just said, look, I have this information. We're really not sure of the level. We're not sure of the amount. We're not sure how dangerous. We just want to get all the facts before we panic the city. And maybe we shouldn't put it out. But I'm saying that may be what your mind says, but you got you, you to gotta be careful. So there, for years and years, since really since my first session in 2003, mm -hmm. there is this ongoing debate about whether you should even be putting fluoride into the water. Uh, I grew up, my mother was a single mother, and I have to make... When I was a kid, I never brushed my teeth. Let me and see, I, your teeth look nice. They're yeah. all right now, but I'll tell you what, here? I, you know what though, we had fluoride in the water where I That's grew so up. Good. And I didn't, I remember in first grade, they, everybody, all the kids got checked and I got a sticker that said no cavities. It was by no effort on mine that that was the case. When I look back at that time, I lived in an area where its water system had fluoride. So I've never been overly worried about it. But this incident that's just happened is exactly what the critics of fluoride in your water system have always said was the risk is that it is it is toxic in higher levels it is it is detrimental to people and we should be we should not be putting additional chemicals into the water system this failure that's happened in sandy city uh, gives great fuel and argument to the fact that there shouldn't be fluoride in our water you shouldn't be adding chemicals to the water the, the buck stops with this mayor it might it wasn't his job it wasn't his day job but he is the mayor uh, he is the leader of Sandy City, and I think that you step forward, you take that responsibility, you look at where it happened, how it happened, you look at how it, it, if, it, if, there's, if there was negligence, whatever that conclusion is, that mayor has to own it, he has to make the appropriate changes, and I think he will. I think, uh, I think the mayor will, but there's a broader issue here now in terms of those people that have been anti-fluoride in our water for so long, 
this is the case study that they and can point to from here on out. Give me a break. I mean, 50, 60, 70 years we've had water, uh, fluoride in the water. And Not one here in Utah. Case, it was barely adopted one, within the last, what, 10 to 15 years? Uh, I remember in the 80s talking about this and people trying to get the fluoride out. I mean, you got to look at all the facts, not one emergency for a few days in Sandy. And you got to weigh that against generations of young people all around the country that have healthy teeth, especially poor people. So I'm just saying. There are also charts <clears throat> that you look at too, when people started fluoridating water, that cavities were going down before they ever started fluoridating it. So is correlation causation, it's tough to say in this case. And are we bringing something into our state that's dangerous? I believe while both of you are in the legislature, there was a bill that went through that actually put some requirements on the companies that were shipping this in. It's technically a mineral, but there's metals that come in it, heavy metals that are dangerous, and they all have to be below a certain percent. So there's some danger that comes in putting it in our water. Is it a good idea? That could be a whole debate for I, another day. You know day. what? I, I think it should be less political and more scientific. I think right. we have to yeah. really know if we have the appropriate safeguards, which obviously did not work in Sandy City. But do you have the safeguards? Is is it is it truly beneficial? These are these are public health issues that should be established and well known. And I would I would resist the temptation to politicize it. But as citizens, we have every right to ask these questions. When you see what happened in that city, where people didn't know and something potentially harmful to them could be ingested, you got to get that right. Like immunizations, you know. There's a group of the population that is just frantic about it, and I put fluoride in the same thing. Let's look at all the science and make the decisions based on that. I'm a big fan of science myself. Science is awesome, especially for girls. Go to school, everybody. I think we are out of time for this week. We've had a great conversation. Thanks for joining us. and. This is like the hottest ticket in town, so thanks for being a part of it. So push the button. How do, I mean, please make share us it, share subscribe. it, subscribe, right. do everything. We're all the rage. I mean, you guys are both being modest about this. This is the fastest growing podcast in Utah history. We, we are growing through the roof. I mean, there are listeners coming in droves. Be a part of the movement. Be part of the action. Listen to this whole thing. You'll know more in this 30 minutes or so then you'll find from anything else. I'm going to go check the data to make sure we're not lying about the fastest It's true. We're the fastest ride. I saw the numbers. I watched the numbers. They're unbelievable. They're straight up like this. Thanks for listening. Pillow fight next. You don't get to see that part. <laughs>